Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EV Undisturbed podcast. My name is Nejda Tsaturyan. I'm the editor of the tech section here at EVN Report. Our guest this week was Sona Vezirgan, the director of the Business Angel Network of Armenia. She joined us to provide a review of the progress and developments within Armenia's tech ecosystem throughout 2023. Sona offered insights into the variety of companies she encounters as an investor and the kinds of companies she aspires to see more of in Armenia in the future. She also shared with us her thoughts on the state of the investment landscape, both in Armenia as well as tech globally, and what she expects in 2024. Lastly, Sona shared her thoughts on how to popularize angel investing in Armenia. Thank you for listening. Sona, thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being here. Let's start with exploring the story of uh, Bana a little bit. I know you guys were the first angel network uh, in Armenia and you launched it in 2017. Is that right? So it's about six, seven years ago now. Tell us how that came about and what did the angel investing and VC landscape look like in Armenia back then? Yeah, it was pretty, pretty new back then, everything. Uh, 2017, we had um, only Granados, I guess, uh, there, and SmartGate was just starting. And uh, there was a need, basic need, that um, in startups were going to uh, Baltics for some 30K investments or going to some um, other countries to, to gain uh, their early early stage money, which was uh, small amounts, not going out for like Series A's or right. bigger rounds. Right. So, so yeah, the need was definitely there and uh, the idea came up early 2017 and in mid to late it was realized. Um, the first, uh, first activities were really hard to uh, pull together. Uh, because the concept was really new. People uh, didn't know what angel investing is and the potential investors, uh, you needed to explain them every time where they are coming, what is it. And, uh, you know, the first couple meetups were not structured, like classic angel Mm -hmm. investing. They were not still members and it all like pulled together at the end of the year. And uh, we had a couple demo days back then. And yeah, we we recently were looking to the startups that, for instance, Stuff AM was in our first oh, wow. time at the end, you know, and, and several, several startups that are not alive, unfortunately, mm-hmm. now. Naturally. Uh, yeah, nat- naturally. Um, so, so yeah, it was it was really hard to pull up, but we had um, several like activities that I think facilitated the process. Uh, we uh, invited experienced angels into Armenia to uh, meet with uh, potential angels and also overall to have um, conferences and events uh, that will be also open so that every interested people would have an opportunity to come and um, learn and uh, see what is angel investing, Mm -hmm. figure out whether it's for them or not. Um, And those activities, I think, uh, had their significant impact on uh, getting where we are now. It's not like we are next Silicon Valley, but uh, the culture is definitely more spread into uh, community, uh, that's for sure. And uh, now one of the biggest challenges is to get it outside of our small bubble of right. tech community. And um, and yeah, there there are a lot of ways to expand and to move forward. So mm-hmm. so yeah, a lot of work needs to be done. That, that first cohort of angels mm-hmm. that you guys were able to attract to the network, who were they typically? Like what type of people were they? What backgrounds did they have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely it was easier to attract people from tech background rather than non-tech. But interestingly, at the beginning we had both. 
we now have uh, one of our most active angels uh, and she's not a tech related person but uh, now she's really like into tech investor she mm -hmm. knows where to look at what questions to ask what aspects as, uh, are important for her and yeah in initially it was a kind of a mix of um, tech leaders and um, non-tech people who uh, were more open-minded and um, had bigger visions mm -hmm. um, to to start exploring uh, alternative investments. These were people with business backgrounds who had sure, accumulated sure, yeah. some wealth over the years and were looking to invest, I guess? Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. yeah. Um, mostly current entrepreneurs. Typically, that there are like three definitions of angel investors, right? They are ex-entrepreneurs, like retired people, uh, usually before 2010 when this uh, startup second wave startup mm -hmm. boom took place uh, angels were considered more old people who are already retired from their businesses or from their c-level jobs and got wealth and want to you know make money also interact socialize get this all the benefits of angel investing uh, be on the path of entrepreneurship like mm -hmm. interact with youth uh, and stuff like that but then we got this uh, kind of um, a startup boom in, in all over the world, especially US, and uh, they once who made exited or made good like successful um, stories somehow, uh, early investors and stuff like that. They then they changed the face of uh, angel investor, which mm. currently is younger. It can be twenty something years old, um, already maybe exited founder or current uh, specialists. So they are like ex entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, current ones, and the specialist professionals, um, top ranked executives mm -hmm. who um, who also consider angel investing as their kind of a uh, side thing right. to do. Yeah. What's the numbers today look like compared to 2017? Has the network considerably grown? Yeah, so we uh, we tried different things. I would say dif uh, we tried to work with different kind of potential angels. And currently, network is mostly um, tech-related people, uh, leaders, founders, um, specialists, uh, top specialists. And uh, and yeah, we got also other people from other industries who um, who are active. Uh, currently, we are fifty angels, mm -hmm. kind of equally distributed. Um, half are in Armenia, and second half are all over the world mm -hmm. uh, at all the ends. And um, yeah, that's that's where we are mm -hmm. now. What do you see as the potential for? So you mentioned how in Silicon Valley. Um, people who you know had been at like big companies for a long time, they had good mm -hmm. compensation packages, equity in different companies and stuff. They became started becoming angels, um, and also non-tech people who who had been in other sectors and had done well and wanted to diversify their investments mm -hmm. started becoming angels. How do you what do you see as the opportunity to um, bring in more of those people into Armenia's angel network? By those types of people, I don't mean the um, Americans, although I guess that would be good too. But I mean, uh, Armenian um, engineers who have been working at you know great companies for more than ten years now and have built up some savings that they can diversify into startup investments, or people from other Armenian sectors that have done well, instead of putting it into what are more traditional mm -hmm. investments in Armenia, put them into interesting and exciting startups to help the ecosystem grow. Do you guys think about that? Or yeah, sure. Um... 
we this year we did our first uh, tr trial i would say of uh, angel training but it went really f successful we didn't want it to look like a, as a typical training you know with sessions and stuff like that we had only a couple of presentations and then it was all all practical we had experienced angels um, presenting or sharing their experience we organized several online and offline meetups with them and uh, the second big part was visiting uh, our portfolio company offices, uh, those who have already grew to some 70, 80 people and have nicer offices and the founders were telling the story, uh, how they raised the investment, angel investment specifically, how it helped them to um, grow, uh, how they're working with their angels now. And um, this um, kind of training, uh, I, I'm really, you know, <laughs> I didn't decide yet whether to call it a training or not, because it was like series of meetups and yeah. Yeah. Talks, it's like, like a networking sessions. training yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, so um, this um, we had uh, five people participating in the first batch this summer and uh, had super um, positive feedback to all the participants. They were like, now we totally understand the whole picture, how it is working, the flow. Uh, every, like they, it gave them like a big picture mm -hmm. uh, overview of angel investing and also... Uh, give them like uh, initial network you know to go if they, they want to discuss a deal they mm -hmm. got also people inside who they know and they can contact um, this was one of the activities we tried to um, make it accessible for those who might be interested in it mm -hmm. um, one, like there are a couple myths in angel investing I believe um, from the perspective of a wider uh, society that uh, it's like super expensive I don't know you need to have uh, hundred thousands or millions of dollars in your bank account to start doing angel yeah. investing so that's that's not the case you just need to figure out your strategy and the tickets per startup are usually a 10 20k so that's the typical ticket so it's not like you need yeah yeah, yeah something for for starting angel investing and um, the simplest strategy should be like at least 10 startups in the portfolio for upcoming three four years so it means like average free investments in a year Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, like that's thirty the, to sixty thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, that's that's the typical thing, and uh, um, and I do know that it's much accessible for many people. The thing is, uh, yeah, the lack of um, knowledge, general knowledge, and maybe the um, absence of wide promotion of the topic yeah. uh, in the country uh, makes it makes it that people, you know put the money as deposit in the bank yeah or worse <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh, what's the beauty of angel investing because it's like high risk but also high return investment so here you make excess so average it's like 30 irr uh, but yeah you can make much more and i I know uh, non-armenian angels who had i uh, know 2000 x exit so mm. it's like a yeah. It's not bad. <laughs> Your it's 10, like a... suddenly becomes much more. Yeah, it's also a much more interesting type of investing because, um, like, I mean, you can't bank on 
startups are extremely risky. Obviously, you can't bank on it, um, you know, retiring year or something. But if if you're if you've put money into an early stage company, and let's say you're like a computer vision engineer at Pixar or some some great company and have considerable experience, and you see some very early stage um, computer vision startup uh, uh, getting started. You have an opportunity to um, impact that company through your your skill set and your expertise as well. So you have a way of being directly involved in something that's really at the early stage that has the potential to become something big. And I think that that should be something that's attractive for a lot of people. It's not just putting your money in some index fund and getting eight percent a year or something, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, we work with newbie angels to uh, define their strategy, and um, it it can be like you said, or it can be totally opposite. So if you are a specialist in a certain area, you might want to invest only in the startups that are in your um, domain of specialty, and uh, in this case, you can directly impact of the uh, into their success. So it's like you are investing, and then you bring some network mm-hmm. or knowledge, or become advisor and uh, help them to um to succeed or even if you got some network of uh angels other angels that's also good you mm-hmm. know for for some uh investments and uh, etc and there is the opposite of that which is uh, the 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 strategy of one of the godfathers of angel investing he says that i i invest in areas that i don't understand why <laughs> That's that's his thing because uh, he is also Jason Calacanis. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, he also kind of involved in several um, activities himself, like startups, businesses, whatever. And he's like, uh, if um, if I am like expert in the domain, I already got something going on, like my own uh, business in that area, and uh, I invest to diversify mm-hmm. uh, in other fields that I'm not expert. Right. So yeah, there are many. Strategies. Uh, strategies yeah, yeah to explore yeah. uh yeah and, and but the beauty is that it's not like science you right. don't need to have a finance degree to calculate so it's more like an art because it has a lot of um human factor so networking talking with people um having this um connections um going to events so it's more like a kind of a, lifestyle some people call it lifestyle some people call it you know hobby or whatever mm-hmm. but uh, it's more like part of life which is not you know work calculated and structured in a certain mm-hmm. way right. yeah like startups can come from any any way any right. anywhere like right. uh, yeah there are stories that hey racer advised a, a startup uh, yeah, yeah. and yeah <laughs> right yeah one thing, I, just as you were saying that, I got curious about. So, like, I, I know in the U.S., for example, um, typically t- to do, I think for I think for angel investing as well, you you have to have an accredited investor status. So that usually involves like I think a quarter million in salary or or wealth uh, accumulated. Does that apply to Armenian individuals as well? Um, are there any financial requirements before you? write a five thousand dollar check or a ten thousand dollar check um that's um we don't have such a low in armenia um although the investments are done in us uh but like we are not kind of residents there so, so it apply um to us. i i need to you know check that with lawyer but we didn't have that that issue that someone asked for uh some documents of uh, you know 
show right. show me your yeah. bank account balance <laughs> right. to see whether you get that much money or not uh, yeah okay so that's good that makes it even more accessible because mm -hmm. those requirements would be quite quite challenging they're challenging even in the u.s um, mm -hmm. let's speak a little bit about uh, uh bana's actually b before we do that um bana fits into sort of like a family of of, of organizations um there's bana which is your your business uh, angel network um, there's Formula VC, which is a full-fledged VC firm. Um, there's the Factory, which is um, sort of a community hub and an ex um, where you guys incubate some of the startups that you've invested in. Why is there a need for a VC firm and a, an angel uh, network within uh, sort of this family of or organizations? Like, what what are the different roles that each plays? Yeah, um, the VC fund was founded in early 2021, but the idea was uh, from 2019, I would say. Um, it, it again came with the need and all the structure of the fund was um, based, like was done based on the research we did at that time to figure out what uh, size it should be, where it should invest, where we can succeed. And um, and yeah, it kind of naturally came that the startups uh, were getting their next rounds after, after angel investing and um, even without that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had initially uh, investors uh, who... Uh, didn't have much time to look at the deals themselves and explore and um, make decisions. And they were like, can we just give you the money and then right. you decide where to invest? So those both like grew together um, at some period of time. And then the Formula VC was born, which now also has institutional investors. And um, yeah, we call it kind of community fund because uh, major major tech uh, companies and individuals are inside the fund as mm -hmm. as LPs mm -hmm. and um, already did 16 investments so the majority of the portfolio is already there we will right. do some free for maximum five next year and uh, mm -hmm. yeah um, let's talk about the year Bana had um, I noticed that uh, you guys were quite active in investing especially in, in some early stage uh, startups mm -hmm. tell us about what companies you've been investing in and uh, and how it's been going uh, we uh, invested in six startups uh, this year and uh, a couple are known announced but yeah I will briefly talk about them as well uh, our um, kind of one of our most successful companies now is uh, Tenweb, which we invested earlier this year and have several uh, ex-growth uh, mm -hmm. during this uh, short period. And um, one in, uh, one of the companies is um, Bionics, which is a um, hardware-related medtech startup. And I'm especially proud of this case because uh, anything related to hardware is not that uh, uh, you know, easy, easy in yeah. Armenia to implement, anywhere, yeah. to create, and then produce, and and especially to raise investments for that. Um, yeah, and I'm really proud that we uh, managed to uh, invest in in the company. We plan a kind of event around this uh, to promote uh, the company and also to like kind of thanks the um, angels who cool. uh, jumped into this deal. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, we will announce also the numbers, so yeah. so stay tuned for that. <laughs> it's interesting, I was noticing like some of the, um, I don't know what you would call it, rounds or <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. ticket sizes that you guys were doing in these companies were quite large. Um, like I think in Viral Mango you announced 170, 
which is typically the the amount that we see Armenian VC firms, the the check sizes that we see uh, Armenian VC firms writing. Mm-hmm. So you guys almost act like a, a mini VC, not even a mini, just like <laughs> it's like a VC with a lot of um, with just a bunch of angels that are interested in that in that company. I guess uh, right because um, I guess or maybe my understanding is incorrect, but typically I was I was under the impression that angels. Um, Angel networks, like you guys present those companies to your angels. Obviously, mm-hmm. and then angels decide to to make the investment. But are you are you guys like sort of grouping angels together that are interested in a company and then making a, a larger investment? Or yeah, how does that yeah. process work? Actually, uh, Laurel Mango, and we had several cases like this. It's a classic case when uh, we had um, syndicate investments and mm-hmm. direct investments. So when startups are raising larger amounts, they don't want small tickets in their um, right. round, and also they want to keep the cap table uh, clean. Mm-hmm. So um, in this case, we set up um, syndicate which gives the angels opportunity to jump into deal with smaller tickets mm-hmm. and like it's a win-win for for everyone and we had several cases when they uh, for instance say our minimum check is uh, 50k which is um, not which is a little more for average maybe yeah. Yeah, investor but we had uh, several people who uh, invest uh, mm-hmm. that amount so uh, those who uh, invest 50 or more they get into deal directly mm-hmm. and for others who uh, invest like 10k tickets we set up a syndicate and like we Definitely. invest with both uh, right. uh, kind of ways vehicles, yeah. <laughs> yeah vehicles and uh, yeah that's it this is viral mango is one of these cases um, and our biggest tickets were actually the combination of both mm-hmm. uh, yeah mm, the biggest one we did was almost 500k, but it was in a good year of 2021, right. <laughs> which uh, we don't live anymore. It's an anomalous year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what do you guys see mostly of uh, with the startups that you you guys are uh, speaking with? What are Armenian founders working on, or more interestingly, what are they not working on? What are some of the gaps that you're you're saying that you like to have them address? Actually, that's the beauty, I, I believe, for the small ecosystem because we get so diverse uh, industries, uh, not related. Maybe that's a drawback at some end because you are not focusing on something as a country. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, uh, that's interesting uh, because you also have a lot of um, diaspora Armenians uh, who come with different backgrounds. They might come to here, set up some offices, some operations, and then go. So it's a pretty diverse um what we wanted to see more uh is like more this trendy topics now generative ai startups and um and some other industries related to it like uh devops optimization and yeah stuff like that which um which yeah we don't see that much I think that those are the gaps that now, uh, if you are listening mm-hmm. to me, you're an engineer, <laughs> yeah. you can solve, yeah, find solutions. And that's uh, that's the trend mm-hmm. in the world. Uh, and yeah. The MLOps space particularly is quite interesting because when we're thinking about AI startups now, actually even taking a step back, like one thing um, that I, I noticed and one of our writers is writing about this now is if you look at almost every Armenian startup now, Mm -hmm. and not just Armenian startups, basically it's just tech companies in the world. Every company incorporated generative AI features into their products this year because 
um, AI capabilities before were limited to people who could train, build and train their own models. Now they're easy to use APIs that people can just just plug in. And they're also so capable now that it's worth putting them into your, your products. But the MLOps companies require serious machine learning expertise to be able to implement them. And it's it's exciting that in our, in our media, we do have a few that are really good in that space, like mm-hmm. Monot, which I think is one of your portfolio companies, does that. Super annotated is in that space. Uh, we have Active Loop and companies like that. Um, but encouraging them, I think, requires really building up the AI, really fundamental AI talent, not just people who use GPT-4 as like to integrate into products, but really fundamental, like building AI system talent in, uh, in the country. Um, so I think ent- until we have that at a greater scale, it's hard to compete with the big MLOps players in the world, like the Databricks and stuff of the world. Um, but hopefully with this recent announcement that we're going to have a um, an AI institute in, in the country, maybe that'll help foster some of that talent. Um from my personal observations, like American University have a data science department now, well, for already maybe six, seven years. Uh, and of course, the classic Polytechnic University has uh, uh, graduates. Uh, from my personal observations, because maybe also this uh, downturn in the market and the uh, uh, kind of recession in the air. Um, a lot of graduates have hard time finding internship and entry level jobs in the AI field, machine learning, data science, and stuff like that, because they, um, yeah, everyone wants someone with a little experience mm-hmm. at least, or they don't want to spend time on training the juniors. So this, the, we we had a better weather situation two three years ago and uh, i well from my observation that's the bigger challenge now uh, to give opportunity to graduates um, of specific uh, specialized industries right they're not like computer science students who want to go there they went to data science specifically to study that so to give them opportunities to realize themselves um, and otherwise they're there might go to other countries to find find uh, prospective jobs, or just do traditional software engineering. Yeah, which yeah, is, and which is not mm-hmm. which is not bad, but it, yeah, you're losing that specialized talent that you work uh-huh. to build, right? Yeah. It's like why I need to study that for exactly. this year, this much years when I'm going to do to do what you could have done in in less time. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so you would say generative AI is the the primary trend that you guys are seeing? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, definitely. Mostly like um, what is now known as like AI wrapper companies, or or are you seeing things more, more fundamental than that? Um, above, yeah. Of course, it's easier, like faster. The first ones you mentioned, but uh, but yeah, I I believe that there are startups uh, coming, but it takes like years. As you mm-hmm. know, uh, they are building their own engines and uh, maybe utilizing also the. Uh, current ones, mm-hmm. <laughs> widely spread ones, but uh, yeah, they—it's not like a you know landing page on top of ChatGPT right, uh, right. to, to ask specific questions. Right, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. We've spoken about this uh, with a few other guests in the past, but I think you're the first investor we're, we're speaking to about this. Um, how do you how do you guys as as investors? You're looking to to write a check into a company. And they're, it almost sounds like derogatory, but these AI wrapper companies, like companies that are largely just, their tech is based on um, another technology provider like OpenAI or Google. They're using their APIs. How do you think about that, the defensibility of that? Is that something that concerns you guys or is the traditional aspects of startup building, like just being obsessed about the user or solving some real problem, 
okay, good enough to get the, um, to look past the uh, lack of defensibility of the technology side because they're not the ones that built the core tech that the product uses. Um, it's not like you can not to invest in, in those com- companies yeah. because um, a lot of um, startups that um, you might consider like successful now also had their tech backing on some other technologies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's also a concern, like you mentioned, and we try to overcome that by uh, doing uh, technical due diligence. So in the BANA network, we have people with tech, tech background and uh, they support the technical due diligence in, in if there is a need. And uh, in Formula VC, in our uh, investment board, we also have um, people with tech background, especially specialized with uh, into AI um, uh, startups. So uh, we always like involve them in these cases because I think it's about, it's a little like threshold of both, like how much uh, is that um, they are doing great as a startup and then how much is it that it's like a you know, drawback of using others. Uh, right. other softwares right. so um it's it's a threshold and you need to assess uh per company the um so the there's equals. like a level of yeah oh. how do you assess that can you give a, a it's, hypothetical example? it's really case by case yeah. it's um uh, because the first thing you do as an investor, you uh, look at the founders, look at the team. So um, if you have some inspiring founder who is also expert in certain field, mm-hmm. they are doing the startup. It covers a lot of gaps that you see in the in, in the startup. So oh, okay. uh, the first thing, of course, is the founder. Then you look at the um, market. Uh, how big is the market? Uh, that's the I think for us the second parameter, um, because a lot of um, a lot of startups have built also in Armenia and you know the names whose market is not large enough even to become hundred million mm-hmm. uh, valuation startup company, so yeah. company and um, that's the and then you go into other details mm-hmm. and then it comes the product it comes yeah all the other, the terms of the deal and right. stuff like that. Yeah, we, uh, of course, the valuation is important, but if you have a like superstar team mm-hmm. uh, that overcomes the valuation and you don't like um, drop the deal because the valuation right. is high and stuff like that. So it's it starts with the team and goes the way. Um, I think it's case by case and mm-hmm. depending on the chemistry of the deal. Sure. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got also the formulas and stuff like that, but it's not the main core of decision um, driver, you, yeah. you know, of decision making. There's like intu- a lot of intuition involved in it as well, I think. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. If, yeah. if you if you uh, ask any successful angel investor from US, they, they talk about serendipity, about, right. yeah. Gut feelings. Uh, yeah, uh, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Non-scientific stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's also interesting that, uh, I can't remember who it was on the sh- podcast, they made this point that like 15 years ago, um, the Instagrams of the world and the Facebooks of the world they were largely um, like AWS wrappers. Uh, like at the time, scaling large apps was quite difficult. AWS came along, Amazon's server business, mm-hmm. and made it very easy to scale. Um, and we saw an explosion of like mobile and, and online uh, businesses like Instagram and Facebook and, and the others of the Web 2.0 era. Um, and their defensibility wasn't 
really much, uh, anything great either, mm-hmm. uh, right? If you think of it, if you think of it just from a technical perspective. Um, but then to your point, like the founder of Instagram, Kevin Systrom, now has an AI rapper company, and I imagine he didn't have a hard time <laughs> raising for it, given given who he is, right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what's something you're seeing that you're most excited about in the in the Armenian ecosystem? What founders are working on? Something that gives you a lot of hope and excitement for uh, for the future? I believe uh, one of the most exciting things in Armenian ecosystem is that you find hidden gems. Hmm. You find startups that were working without like communicating with tech community or uh, like Armenian entities, mm-hmm. but they got a uh, nice client base, nice product in specific uh, niche. And it can be something like, I don't know, gaming or some uh, not the uh, products that we see a lot in the in the country. Mm-hmm. And then you suddenly figure out, oh, they're building this for two years. They got a nice amount of users or clients and they are um, progressing and they suddenly figure out that they can go out <laughs> and yeah. talk to other people. And yeah, uh, this is one of the nicest things I enjoyed throughout the period of this, yeah. you know, six, seven years. Uh, like five six years mostly mm-hmm. uh, at Bana, and uh, I um, I believe uh, we will see more um, experienced uh, founders who um, worked in large company or in tech start in Armenian startup, which uh, you know the Pixar gave birth to so many so right. many startups now, and uh, then the, uh, when they decide to do a startup, that's completely different level of expertise and. A knowledge, uh, especially in Pixar, I believe because they are a startup, not a regular tech company, uh, they also see all these, um, you know, milestones, how startup uh, puts it, or um, like negotiations, or they raise the round, so it's a big announcement, yeah. or like uh, even they got scared about how the board is working and mm. you need to, you know, create reports for the board and right. stuff like that. So it's, um, it's it's really like seeing your kind of desired future working in a huge startup and once we get more companies with several hundred million valuation or unicorns uh, in the country that will um, escalate like lift up the the ecosystem to mm-hmm. the ne- next level and it is important bringing back to your question to angel investing it is important that once we had um, cool exits like with good numbers and we got people uh, from startups who got money they then they need to know that uh, the cycle of ecosystem works mm-hmm. if they come back and invest a reasonable portion of this money back into other startups mm-hmm. and this is how the cycle works uh, and also for investors too so when they make good exit then they um well, not fully, but uh, some portion of this money bring back to the, to the ecosystem. ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you can do it even fully. It depends on how, mm-hmm. <laughs> how yeah, excited you are yeah. about the ecosystem. And um, this is not announced yet, and probably we will do it next year. But um, 
angels don't need to wait for a huge, I don't know, um, acquisition or something. Exit event. Yeah, um, not IPO definitely to exit the company. And uh, partial exits are more more typical uh, cases when the startup is raising uh, next round uh, or the following round. It can be Series B or whatever, uh, or even earlier, depending on how valuation is growing. Uh, angels can um, yeah exit do a partial exit and we had a small case like that small because a few angels decided to exit from the company but uh, big in a in a in a way that um, they made like almost 10x mm-hmm. out of this exit right. and an it was return. yeah it went in several years which is a super amazing return uh, and 10x is like typical dream Mm-hmm. return for 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 angels so is yeah. that also the case for employees with equity like can they exit during the series b or the series c or yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it depends on the policies i know some startups have some um policies that uh, only in case of m a or ipo they can exit mm-hmm. uh, but majority like um the typical case is that yeah you can um, realize your shares so options to shares and then shares uh, when they, you have opportunity before a full exit. Yeah, yeah, before yeah. full exits, yeah. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as we see even the full exits in the Armenian ecosystem, mm-hmm. and for a few years now, it's been rumored that a few big names might, yeah, yeah. <laughs> might IPO. Yeah, waiting. <laughs> yeah, um, once that happens, hopefully we'll see a, a flood of um, angel investments in, in, in the country. But uh, as you said before, like preparing the ecosystem for that through like the mm-hmm. the trainings or the just the int- introducing of the topic to inside those companies until then is is important so that we fully capture the value of those uh, of yeah. those events, yeah. Um but and speaking of like just the state the state of uh investments um since we are talking about like the recapping the year um last year when we did this recap the sort of tech economic crisis had just started to unfold and there was a lot of layoffs and mm-hmm. um investment had dried up a lot um and things of that nature and it seems like 2023 that trend kind of continued layoffs were less i think but we didn't see any um we didn't see a huge uptick in, in venture inv- investing. Um, and even in Armenia, I think you can't compare it to, like you said, 2021, which like every week it was like someone raised $10 million. Yeah. <laughs> Normal uh, day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what do you, uh, can you give us an evaluation of sort of, of where we are now? And um, also those companies that did have those amazing 2021s, you know, typically we were used to seeing startups raise their their subsequent round in 18 to 24 months and now it's been like more than 30 months um so are you guys concerned that uh these the subsequent rounds are not happening or is there things being done to mitigate that like bridge rounds and stuff or uh, yeah, there have been a couple of cases when we mitigated it with the pitch rounds. I, I started from the end, <laughs> but um, I'm I'm kind of now optimistic about the 2024 uh, because uh, I believe that we hit the bottom low mm-hmm. this year and maybe even so. last quarter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's other some several you know projections. Um, uh, some say that it will be in 2024 it's not going to come back but i want to be on the positive side mm-hmm. of the things and um uh, i believe it's the worst is already behind and um the startups uh, it's important you know uh, 
to notice that Armenian startups, uh, not all, but uh, we got some good startups who always uh, cared about uh, sustainability and were not leaving from uh, investment to investment. So this is um, now the trend in the world because of the current situation. Big funds, they look into more revenue-based startups um, who can live even if the crisis yeah, right. continues right. even longer. So uh, in our portfolio, those who are pre-Series A are in their you know, way to even uh, increase the numbers and uh, make it more suitable for Series A. So I am pretty positive that they will manage to raise uh, Series A next year and Mm -hmm. we are waiting for those announcements. Um, And if the market gets back even a little, uh, we will definitely have such such announcements in the portfolio to which I'm pretty excited so i'm gonna stay on the positive side (laughs) and yeah i I hope that i hope that's true (laughs) um what about even earlier uh like in the the, typically although we're sort of seeing maybe some changes in this area but typically armenian startups would raise their sort of very early stage pre-seed rounds Mm -hmm. in armenia then seed would maybe be a mix of armenia and some um global investors now we've, we've seen some seed uh seed rounds be done completely in Armenia, which I think Formula and Bana were part of uh, mm-hmm. pre-launches round those done all in Armenia. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I, I was reading in, in preparation for our conversation today was in Q3 uh, growth stage rounds, like the Bs and Cs had uh, an uptick compared to Q3 of 2022. Mm-hmm. Although I think that's just because growth was so bad in 2022 that it was easy to have a 7% uptick. But early stage rounds, like seed rounds and stuff, was down almost half, I think. Um, do you see a risk in some of the pre-seeds not even sort of taking off, uh, being able to get their their seed rounds and dying prematurely? I think w- the reason uh, that uh, we had less um, pre-seed seeds in U.S. is because uh, before this recession it was kind of normal to get into series a without having your product market fit well it was not normal but there have been many cases mm-hmm. to get there and now as investors look into uh, more numbers they want more like you know sustainable growing companies uh, they want to have this poc before investing and um, we used to say that we are cautious a little because our angels invest in uh, companies that already have like initial traction, right. not not huge number of traction, but some initial traction just to prove that someone needs the product, their users or uh, pre buyers or whatever. And um, and now that's the trend uh, everywhere because of this uh, current situation. And uh, I, I guess that's the reason um, that we see less and less rounds like this uh, like at these stages, because uh, founders are struggling to prove uh, for the seed stage what they what they didn't prove in Series A right. before. Yeah. So it was a little, yeah, some people say that was a little artificial uh, growth. growth, yeah, back then. Uh, it's hard to give exact feedback on it, but um, uh, but maybe this is the more uh, realistic and on the ground approach to to startups, and it's a they need correction. to yeah uh, they need to uh, think that the investments might not come, and they need to survive for longer periods, and uh, yeah for the for the 
pre-seed or idea stage, it's good to have grant schemes or other um, you know, money available for you to build initial products to test. But after, after you reach some level, it needs to be sustainable. So in, if it's sustainable, you will raise money. But right. if you think about only living on money and um, investment money, that's, that's becoming harder and harder. Yeah. And yeah, and also it's industry specific. Of course, there are industries that are always capital intensive and will have this capital. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ar- Artem from Bardeen had this great line last year on the podcast. He said, uh, before 2022, uh, to raise raising money was per slide in a deck. It was like a million dollars a deck. So if you had a 10 slide deck, you would raise 10 million just mm-hmm. by sending a few emails. So I think it, even if it's exaggerated, <laughs> which it obviously is, but um it's it's it makes sense that there was a, a healthy correction to to that kind of easy access to to capital. Let's come to our region a little bit. We uh, you just came from the Touch Summit in Georgia um, last week, I think, uh, early December. Um, this is going to come out at the end of December. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about how Armenia and Georgia compare to one another in terms of their their ecosystems. Um, we often hear about Armenia uh, certainly being a regional leader in at least in startups and and in tech. What are some interesting things you observed in Georgia that that we can take take some lessons from? Yeah, we we had a great trip to Tbilisi last week and uh, visiting Touch Summit, which is one of their uh, biggest like tech events. Um, and um, we got definitely some things to learn from each other mm-hmm. in terms of uh, quality of startups, at least the ones we saw in the competition in the open mic. We were like in uh, in a judge. Uh, uh, in that uh, in that open mic uh, space, and it's um, we we uh, see that Armenian startups are more like global um, thinking from the day one compared to Georgians from our like subjective observations and um, yeah several ways to compare and we see better deal flow here mm-hmm. now, but there were other aspects that was interesting for us to explore. For instance, their uh, banks are more active in startup ecosystem. They support uh, events. They support their angel uh, network, which was created uh, almost a couple years ago. Uh, it's called Axel, and uh, banks are supporting their activities. Particularly, one of their biggest bank is very active in the startup ecosystem. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they were also one of the supporters to bring uh, 500 um, global into into Georgia. And yeah, I have seen also a nice synergy of working with a governmental organization, which is, I believe, comparable to our HTI mm-hmm. uh, and the international um, donor firms uh, to, you know, collaborate in creating a good uh, atmosphere in the in the country, uh, both for angel investing and for uh, startups and opportunities for um, grants and other, you know, co-working spaces and stuff mm-hmm. like that for startups. Um, well, Regarding angel investing specifically, I think they did a good job on promoting the uh, topic in the in the country and in the um, uh, business communities. Uh, kind of uh, brought that uh, status to to Georgia of being angel investor, and uh, interestingly, their their angels are looking for deals outside of Georgia as well. 
maybe because of current uh, state in the in the country in in terms of the till flow, but uh, but still they yeah that's really um, great to see the the progress they managed to to do uh, to get in this uh, period of time, and yeah we were talking about some collaboration opportunities for the next year, so hopefully uh, we will do something together as well. What does the inclusion of non-tech community actors like banks and stuff bring to not just the investment community but the 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 startup ecosystem as a whole like if armenia had more of its um banking sector involved what would that give tangibly to the Mm -hmm. ecosystem yeah it's a topic to think about to give up uh, to give more uh, details but from the first hand it brought popularity Mm. We know that, uh, well, we live in a kind of tech bubble and uh, even inside tech community, it's not like everyone knows every startup or Mm -hmm. uh, all the investment vehicles we got in Armenia. And uh, that's that's definitely a a communication issue if we can Mm -hmm. uh, name it like that. And uh, bringing big names and also involving the teams of these banks inside these activities. Uh, I think it's it creates better understanding of what is a startup, how they are working, and events like this support the idea of you know investing in startup, judging which one is good, which one is bad, and seeing other, uh, many aspects of the startup community, seeing the successful uh, stories from um, abroad. They had many guests uh, from U.S. and Europe mainly. And um, and it's uh, it will um, widespread the topic. Mm-hmm. That's the first hand, you know. Uh, <laughs> idea. Does it do that? Does like in the case of banks specifically? Does it do that by? Are there investment vehicles that banks can offer to their their banking clients, even including like investors, obviously investor clients. I mean, to invest in uh, Georgian startups, or uh, does that have to be done through a, um, a more traditional investment organizations just mm-hmm. as a business network or a business angel network or a- uh yeah in uh, in georgian case uh, as much as i know they are cooperating with axel so they are bringing their clients also so their staff to their pitching sessions they're sponsoring the pitching sessions and having a nice event um, out of it to promote also the startups and the investment vehicle as it is mm-hmm. uh uh, but I uh, like last week also we had um, our angel conference. Uh, this was our sixth year we were doing it, and we were excited to host uh, President of Iban, Yane, and um, former Vice Chair of Iban Finnish uh, Angel Network, uh, Anna Karina to Armenia, and uh, Anna was especially giving presentation on how Finland became a kind of startup nation, and mm-hmm. they like came up with the um, challenge uh, as as a network themselves of course there have been many other institutions working institutions working simultaneously but as a network they were formed in in 2012 and they were like 18 members and uh, struggling to uh, popularize the topic in Finland and uh, develop a startup scene as well and uh, one of the things he mentioned that um, supported and accelerated the growth of a Finnish network uh, and Finnish startup ecosystem it was that uh, low um, 
interest rate uh, loans to startups. And if you fail, you don't need to pay it back. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> and it was uh, the that vehicle was created in co cooperation between government, uh, banks and startup community. Mm. So it was a synergy working. Mm. And uh, Finland is a little, like, I believe, comparable to Armenia because there are five million something uh, mm. people. Uh, also, they got uh, bigger territory, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and he was, uh, she was telling, yeah, is. that, <laughs> uh, like for instance, Slash now is one of the most popular uh, events mm -hmm. taking place in Europe, uh, tech-related events. And um, a couple years ago, or maybe last year, uh, I don't remember. They they had twenty five thousand uh, guests. To Helsinki mm -hmm. for Slash and she was like it was too much for the city to handle mm. the, this amount of guests so this year they plan to have it in a more modest way mm -hmm. so that it won't uh, exceed the 12,000 people oh. I guess. so uh, nice nice yeah. problem to, <laughs> to have <laughs> yeah and uh, she was especially addressing the issue that Finland um, is considered and is uh, like a cold country <laughs> with a little amount of sunlight yeah. like uh, during the day and it was not um you know place to go as a tourist typical place sure. to go as a tourist so they needed to create a special um sources yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> reasons for for uh, people to come to finland to explore mm -hmm. um yeah we, we i i really i was like i tried to uh record a couple minutes and then i was like holding my phone for 15 minutes <laughs> because there was yeah. no part i wanted yeah. not to <laughs> yeah record yeah. and uh, it was really impressive what, what they managed to do another thing he's she said i can share if we got time was that um, a lot of collaboration was done especially with Sweden but not only they managed to travel through Europe um, to see how uh, like to have this uh, networking and connection between angels uh, via their network and uh, to uh, learn from them and have, use these connections to accelerate growth of their startups. Mm -hmm. They also went to Tel Aviv, they went to US, so they did a lot of like trips in the beginning. First of all, to show uh, their uh, newbie members like uh, what they want to become and uh, and then have all these, you know, connections, networks mm -hmm. and uh, all the benefits it brings into the table. So. So yeah, it was yeah. truly inspiring to, yeah. to hear them and uh, thinking what we can yeah. implement here. We're lucky in a sense that, um, you know, 40, 50 years ago, maybe I'm getting the mm -hmm. numbers a bit off, but there was a time when the primary innovation ecosystem you would look at would just be the US, at least when it came to tech entrepreneurship. Um, but we're kind of lucky now that we have other models that are in some ways closer to Armenia's scenario to observe and mm -hmm. learn from and implement into our own innovation ecosystem. Because um, very large markets like the U.S. sometimes might not fit well into uh, a small country like Armenia. But now we have examples like Estonia, Finland, and, and others, especially even in Eastern Europe mm -hmm. and the Middle East, um, that you can really draw some, some great lessons from. And it's also always interesting to hear people from our ecosystem when they're speaking about those contrasts, sometimes speak about some of the advantages that we have to, in comparison to those. For example, we have much better ties to some really important institutions in Western Europe and, and the U.S. and uh, 
uh, and places where the, the where influence really goes a long way. And we have our compatriots working in those organizations that can be uh, the first bridge between between Armenia and those parts of um, greater eco, bigger ecosystems that could help drive growth here. Um, so I hope we have people in our in our government and the various bodies that work on improving these things, uh, taking note of all that and, and and helping helping drive those those changes. So now, last question: mm-hmm. We spoke about about 2024, but um, looking a bit further ahead. Uh, as an ecosystem player, I won't ask you just about Bana, but in general, what's the what's the one thing you hope to see in five years in the ecosystem that we don't have today? I hope it will be more than one, sure. but I want to see exits. Exits, yeah. Yeah. From my understanding, it will be a turning point for angels, startups, and, and all, our, all aspects of the ecosystems will benefit from it. Currently, oh, you, you talked about government. I see uh, a big gap of like in the ecosystem is the PR outside Armenia. We are kind of still hidden gem for Europe and US. Well, not Armenian networks, but right. Yeah. And um, um, proper promotion of the local tech, like Armenian tech to have it as a brand, mm-hmm. Armenian tech uh, in the world will also uplift and help like everyone. The startups who are raising abroad, the um, foreign investors who want to, you know, explore new opportunities, diversify yeah, diversify their markets, and um, and yeah, and also locals uh, hugely to to outreach someone if they know that there is like Armenian tech which is popular, mm-hmm. it will help a lot. It, it can be done and should be done, I believe, um, uh, by government. Of course, we do, and other uh, players in the ecosystem do various activities. For instance, the IBAN uh, is now, uh, they now know Armenia mm-hmm. scene uh, better uh, because not only this time we had the president of IBAN, but we also a couple times invited their board members in previous years. So those who came uh, into Armenia, now they are ambassadors of Armenia. And right. I hear comments from other participants that, oh, they were talking about Armenia all the time and they're very impressed and stuff like that. So it's creating a positive image of your uh, country and tech scene in uh, overall like abroad and um and yeah uh, an exit will do it itself mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, before that and i believe in parallel to that there needs to be action taken to promote armenian tech uh, in the world mm-hmm. december of 2028 five years from now we'll do this again and see see how it went thank you so much sona appreciate you coming on to help us recap uh, recap the last year thank you thank you very much